Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the domestic markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 66. And as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Color podcast, I am in the process of writing a book. And that book is focused on fundamental analysis. And this will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets and in particular how economic data influences asset prices. Good news is that the first draft is now ready and has been submitted to the editor for their review and comments. I will keep you posted on the latest developments. So this week we are reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 30th week of 2023 and that is from Monday the 24th to Friday the 28th of July. And without further ado, this is your host Jamuhuri and together let's dive right in. Uh, we begin with an announcement, and that is for the latest outlook on the global economy. The International Monetary Fund has published its latest edition of the World Economic Outlook Report, dated July 2023. And in connection with the same, I have prepared a brief summary of this report and presented it as our topical issue for this week. So, for the latest outlook on the global economy... Please listen through to the tail end of this podcast. Thank you and welcome. And we can now kick it off in the United States where the Federal Reserve on Wednesday approved the much-anticipated interest rate hike that takes its benchmark borrowing cost to its highest level in more than 22 years. The Federal Open Market Committee raised the Fed Fund's rate by a quarter percentage point to a target range of between 5.25% and 5.5%, which is the highest benchmark rate since 2001. Markets are betting that this could be the last rate hike before the Fed takes a break in order to allow the current interest rates to transmit through the economy and hopefully slow down inflation. During the news conference, the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, said that inflation had moderated but still has a long way to go, quote-unquote, before it hits the Fed's target rate of 2%. 
And according to a massive upward revision by the Commerce Department, the U.S. economy showed a much stronger than expected growth in the first quarter of 2023. The gross domestic product increased at an annualized pace of 2%, and this was up from the previous estimate of 1.3%, but was still lower than the growth rate of 2.6% that was recorded in the fourth quarter of 2022. This recent upward revision has helped to undercut the widespread expectations that the U.S. economy is heading towards a recession. And staying in the United States, according to the Fed's preferred measure, inflation showed further signs of cooling down in the month of June. The headline PCE, that is the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, that includes food and energy prices, increased by 0.2% on a monthly basis and 3% on an annual basis. This, however, was down from 3.8% in May, and was the lowest annual rate since March 2021. Meanwhile, the core PCE, which excludes food and energy prices, increased by just 0.2% on a monthly basis and rose by 4.1% on an annual basis and was the lowest annual rate since September 2021. And across the Atlantic in the Eurozone, on Thursday, the European Central Bank announced an additional rate hike of 25 basis points, and this now takes its benchmark rate to 3.75%. This latest move completes a full year of consecutive rate hikes by the European Central Bank in its fight against inflation. The latest headline reading showed that inflation had slowed down to 5.5% in June from 6.1% in May, but was still way above the central bank's target level of 2%. The European Central Bank now has to balance between raising interest rates to fight inflation and the risk of pushing the Eurozone region into an economic recession. And to the Far East, on Friday, the Bank of Japan announced it was loosening its yield curve control by allowing greater flexibility with regard to its upper and lower limits. These limits will now be used as a reference point and not as a rigid limit, which was previously the case. In its policy statement, the Bank of Japan said that it would now also offer to purchase the 10-year bond at a rate of 1% through fixed-rate operations. This move effectively expands its tolerance range by a further 50 basis points. The Bank of Japan decided to maintain its ultra-loose interest rate policy by electing to hold its short-term interest rate target at negative 0.1%. In the U.S. stock market, this past week, the Dow Jones ended a 13-day winning streak as investors cheered along data that showed cooling inflation and a stronger-than-expected GDP growth for quarter one 2023, which continued to support the case for a stronger U.S. economy. And in response, stocks rose on Friday with the Dow Jones 
and the S&P 500 closing their third consecutive week of gains. The Dow jumped 176 points to 35,459, whilst the S&P 500 added 1% to 4,582, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq gained 1.9% to 14,316. All the three major averages recorded weekly gains with the 30-stock Dow averaging up by about 0.6%, whilst the S&P advanced 1% and the tech-heavy index was up by 2%. In the U.S. bond market, U.S. Treasury yields declined on Friday as the Federal Reserve's preferred measure for inflation showed that prices had cooled off in the month of June. The yield on the two-year Treasury note was down six basis points to 4.879%, whilst the yield on the 10-year Treasury bond fell by more than five basis points and was trading at 3.957%. This came after the Fed hiked interest rates by 25 basis points and the Fed chairman noted that whilst inflationary pressures had eased off, they remain well above the Fed's inflation target rate of 2%. For your information, bond yields and prices are inversely correlated, and that means that as interest rates rise, bond prices fall, and vice versa. In the commodity markets, oil prices were steady on Friday and on track for a fifth consecutive week of gains, with investors optimistic about healthy demand as supply cuts kept prices buoyant. A risk appetite in the wider financial markets has been fueled by growing expectations that the major central banks are coming to the end of their policy tightening campaigns, and this in turn has boosted the outlook for global growth and energy demand. Bolstered by supply cuts from the OPEC Plus alliance, both oil benchmarks were on track for a weekly increase of 3.6% as Brent crude slipped $0.09 to $84.15 a barrel, whilst the U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate dipped by just $0.03 to $80.06 a barrel. Meanwhile, Mabin oil, which Kenya imports, rose to $84.74 a barrel, compared to $81.27 the previous week. In the precious metals market, gold regained some ground on Friday as the dollar retreated, but was still headed for its worst week in the past five, after data pointing to a resilient U.S. economy suggested that U.S. monetary policy will remain hawkish in the long term. The data contributed to an increase in expectations that U.S. interest rates will remain higher for longer, and this fueled the rise in the U.S. dollar and, in turn, the sharp decline in the price of gold. And as we all know by now, the higher interest rates increase the opportunity cost of holding the non-yielding asset, that is, gold. It's therefore no surprise that spot gold was headed for a weekly drop of 0.2%, but still managed to rise by 0.6% for the day to close the session at 1,956 US dollars per ounce.
We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets and we start by looking at the foreign exchange market where during the past week the Kenyan shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies but remained relatively stable versus the regional currencies. And according to the official data from the central bank, the Kenyan shilling was trading at 142.20 versus the US dollar compared to 141.70 the previous week. However, in the interbank market, commercial banks were selling the US dollar at between 146 shillings on the lower side to above 152 shillings on the higher side. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 183.64 and the euro was valued at 157.39. And on the regional front, one Kenya shilling was changing hands for 25.49 Ugandan shillings and 17.26 Tanzanian shillings. And to the Rwandis franc, it was posted at 8.27. For your information, in the past one year, the Kenya shilling has lost nearly 20% of its value against these regional currencies, which in turn has weakened its dominant trading position in the region. This current trend indicates that the Kenya shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future, and this is mainly due to the country's excessive national debt, which now stands at above 70% of the gross domestic product and consumes about 60% of total revenue collections. And what that means is that for every one shilling that Kenya Revenue Authority collects, 60 cents will go towards debt repayment. On foreign exchange reserves during the past week, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves declined significantly by just over $500 million to $7.377 billion, which is equivalent to 4.03 months of import cover. This meets the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. The decline in reserves suggests that the funds that were recently received from the International Monetary Fund have now been disbursed, indicating the tight cash flow conditions that the country is operating under. Kenya's foreign exchange reserves also received a boost of $1 billion from the World Bank. However, despite the support from the World Bank and the IMF, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves remain under pressure, and this is mainly due to the rising cost of servicing our external debt obligations, and that has pushed the country to the precipice of a sovereign debt default. In the money markets, the liquidity situation in the interbank market remained tight during the past week as tax remittances to the government exceeded and more than offset government payments into the market. The excess reserves held by commercial banks in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement decreased marginally from 18.2 billion shillings to 18.1 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active with the average interbank rate rising drastically from 9.76% the previous week to an incredulous 14.84% 
conforming the tight liquidity conditions in the interbank market. During the past week, the average value that was traded in the interbank market decreased to 12 billion shillings from 24.4 billion shillings the previous week. And for your information, following the recent hike in the central bank rate to 10.5%, most commercial banks have now increased their interest rates on customer loans, with some charging rates as high as 20%. In the government securities market, the Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 27th of July, and the central bank received bids totaling 9.1 billion shillings, against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a dismal performance of 38%. Interest rates on all the three tenors increased marginally as the bulk of the bids, about 7 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate increased by 12 basis points to level off at 12.35%, whilst the 182-day rate inched up by 7 basis points to 12.39%, and the 364-day rate ticked up by just 2 basis points to settle at 12.72%. For your information, 1 basis point is equivalent to 0.01%, and therefore 100 basis points is equal to 1 percentage point. In the secondary bond market, turnover in the domestic market increased by 38% during the past week. And in the international markets, the yields on Kenya's eurobonds were on a downward trajectory and declined by an average of 40 basis points, with the yield on the 10-year eurobond that matures in June 2024 declining by 20 basis points from 12.8%, to 12.6%. At the Nairobi Securities Exchange during the past week, the equities market was on a downward trajectory with the NASI, the NSC20 and the NSC25 declining by 4.8%, 2.2% and 4.4% respectively. This takes the year-to-date performance to losses of 17.3% for the NASI, 5.8% for the NSC20, and 12.7% for the NSC25. The market's performance was mainly driven by losses recorded by large-cap stocks such as Equity Group, Safaricom, British American Tobacco, and East African Breweries, which declined by 8.7%, 7.8%, 4.9%, and 4.5% respectively. These losses were, however, mitigated by gains recorded by other large-cap stocks, such as Standard Chartered Bank, which increased by 1.4%. During the week, turnover in equities increased significantly by about 437% to 30.4 million US dollars. Meanwhile, foreign investors turned into net sellers for the first time in the past seven weeks with a net selling position of 23.4 million US dollars. And this now takes their year to date net selling position to 277 million US dollars. 
On Kenya's national debt, the latest data from the central bank shows that Kenya's national debt as of July 2023 stood at 9.88 trillion shillings, which is just shy of the revised debt limit of 10 trillion shillings. The national debt was divided between domestic debt, which stood at 4.75 trillion shillings, and foreign external debt that was valued at 37.09 billion US dollars, which is equivalent to 5.13 trillion shillings. Next up is the topical issue. And this week, we are providing a brief overview of the latest World Economic Outlook report. The International Monetary Fund has published its latest edition of the World Economic Outlook report that is dated July 2023. And according to the IMF, global growth is projected to fall from an estimated 3.5% in 2022 to 3% in 2023, which remains weak by historical standards. Meanwhile, the rise in central bank policy rates to fight inflation continues to weigh down on economic activity, and as a result, global headline inflation is expected to fall from 8.7% in 2022 to 6.8% in 2023. The recent resolution of the U.S. debt ceiling, as well as the strong and decisive action by authorities to address the banking crisis in the United States and Switzerland helped to avert the risk of contagion and maintained stability in the financial markets. However, turbulence in the financial sector could resume as markets adjust to the further policy tightening by central banks. However, the balance of risks to global growth remains tilted to the downside given that inflation remains high and could rise even further due to unexpected shocks, including an escalation in the war in Ukraine, as well as extreme weather conditions that could trigger more restrictive monetary policy. In the meantime, China's economy rebounded after it lifted its strict COVID lockdown policies. However, China's recovery now appears to be slowing down, and that in part is due to the unresolved challenges facing the real estate sector. And for emerging markets and developing economies, growth in 2023 is projected to be broadly stable at 4%. However, for countries grappling with elevated debt, the impact of higher interest rates, coupled with a lack of appetite for emerging market debt, could increase the risk of sovereign debt distress. And in summary, the IMF concludes that for most countries, the priority remains achieving sustained disinflation whilst ensuring financial stability. Therefore, central banks should remain focused on restoring price stability as well as strengthening supervision of the financial markets. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. We hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please, Do share it with a friend and help 
to spread the word around. We really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Please subscribe and remember to turn on alerts to be notified of new episodes. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhurig at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, sometimes failure can be a better teacher than success. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.